Welcome to Pietro Murano's podcast. My special guest today is Attila Beckvik Centermai, and we are talking today about the very interesting topic of augmented reality and virtual reality. Will it ever become completely mainstream? So, Attila, welcome to the podcast today. Yeah, thank you. Hi, Pietro. So, just to give everybody a little bit of background, what attracted you to Oslomet to come to us to study there? Oh, it's the money and fame, you know, the promise to be a well-known researcher and to change the world. And the, but actually, it's pretty much true. I took my bachelor's in information and communication technologies, and I also took applied computer science. So after I finished my bachelor's, I was looking for opportunities to learn research and looked for opportunities where I can work in theoretical and practical uh, work and aspects of IT as well, like where the two words meet. And therefore, universal design of ICT, which is very open, multidisciplinary, that gives me the option and a chance to, to be better in those things. Yes, indeed. And then, of course, uh, you came to me and uh, you started doing your master thesis uh, with me. And uh, this is all to do with uh, augmented reality and uh, also a little bit of linkage with uh, virtual reality. But just in simple words, what is augmented reality and virtual reality? And what are the differences between the two? Yeah, they, actually, they're pretty different, and very often uh, people, even researchers, watch the two technologies together because they both provide immersive technologies and simulating things, simulating real things artificially. However, if I have to explain virtual reality, virtual reality is a closed system. So the users are closed in a 100% artificial and simulated environment. So that's, that's the environment you interact with, that's the environment you see. What you see is not real, it's mimicking something. And another time, argumented reality is very different. Uh, I would say the opposite of this. In argumented reality, users are in their own real environment. However, the digital information they can manipulate or interact with, it extends that reality. So again, in comparison, virtual reality is a closed system, and argumented reality is widening the reality with additional uh, digital information. Yes. So clearly major differences between these technologies and they have generated an awful lot of excitement. I know many of the news uh, channels, news websites, if you search for information there, many of them have the odd article to do with virtual reality and augmented reality. So with virtual reality, it's like if you wanted to, for example, go to your favourite football match, watching your favourite football team with virtual reality, you could... In a perfect world or in a perfect sense, you could have uh, front row seats and experience it as if you were there. But of course, you wouldn't really be there. Whereas with augmented reality, you could, for example, be in a city that you've never been to before and you could have some information that's superimposed for you that gives you information about that city. Yeah, exactly. That was quite accurate. So, but is, are these things new? Are they only just out the last couple of years? Well, the last couple of years created hype. So they often refer that uh, 2016 was the year of virtual and augmented reality when uh, they appeared in mainstream. So when people went to their local electronic stores, they could buy virtual reality headsets. Also, there was a lot of buzz about Google Glass. It's an augmented reality glass and uh, raised a lot of questions about usability, about privacy. But uh, to tell the truth, these technologies are quite old. So the first virtual reality prototype uh, was is almost 60 years old now. In 1962, there was a Hollywood producer and uh, and the movie owner Morton Helling created a prototype called Sensorama, and 
he, he tried to imagine the future of cinema. He expected that people sitting in chairs and watching a canvas, it will be not hold for many decades. So he, he tried to find new ways to entertain people and create immersive experiences. And that's why he built Sensorama. Now, interestingly, that product was, was way ahead of its time. So his prototype was simulating riding a motorcycle in the streets of New York. And as it is, it provided stereo sound, which was quite new and revolutionary back in the day. A stereoscopic picture. That's uh, how I can explain stereoscopic pictures, like three-dimensional pictures. So the field of view of the users was totally full. Uh, the screen was also color screen, which is uh, in the 1960s. That was uh, revolutionary and, and also stimulated our senses. So this exper experience, riding a motorcycle in New York Street, provided wind by using fans and also provided aroma. So actually users who tried this and his machine, they could smell gasoline, they could smell pizza if they were riding the motorcycle next to a pizza place. So that was way ahead of its time. And interestingly, as I said, Morton Heiling wasn't a computer scientist, he was just a visionary of a motion picture. And now 60 years later, we have cinemas called 4DX, and they still, still way behind of this prototype. I mean, they're able to shake our chairs, and sometimes we can get some wet obstacles in our face while we're enjoying the movie. Also, we have now 3D cinemas, however, hailing truly simulated all of the senses, and that was way, way ahead of its, its uh, time. And the first augmented reality device, it, uh, it came a few years later, in 1968, that was Evan Sutherland who created the first head-mounted display. So he, basically he built a helmet, and, and uh, the, in front of the user's eyes, there was two CRT displays when users can see through, and he placed digital information in those displays. So while the users were taking a look around, it was like they looking the environment through a glass, but the glass had additional digital information. So that was really, really the, the first working and recognizable prototype of augmented reality. Uh, but as I said, these were very truly experimental, and they used exotic hardware, and these technologies were hidden in computer labs for, for decades. So the general public not even knew about this. The first time when virtual reality showed up uh, and uh, appeared in the mainstream, that was uh, because of a guy called Jaron Lanier. Now, Jaron had a very interesting life. He was a city writer, so he was writing sci-fi movies and uh, TV series, uh, including Star Trek. He was also a computer scientist, and he was a futurist. And he was the first to use the term virtual reality for simulated environment. Because of the movies and because of the, the sci-fi appearance in, in pop culture, that established a thought and also demand in the general public that it would be nice to have a product and simulate things. It could be nice to have a, a product, you know, spread digital information, and that helps uh, to establish these things. And because of this, because of the mainstream popularity of movies, there were some companies tried to capitalize in this, and, uh, but they couldn't. In 1995, there was Nintendo created a product called the Virtual Boy. And that was pretty much a virtual reality headset. And they promised that you can experience uh, real-life action. Uh, you can put it on your face. It's mobile, so you can bring it to school or you can bring it to work. So all of, they promised a lot. However, they delivered very little. In, in reality, technology wasn't mature enough to, to fulfill the expectations and the hype uh, of people. So it raised a lot of uh, usability issues, people getting sick using the device. Uh, also, 
the graphical presentation was two-dimensional, which two-dimension is not really immersive, and also it was very expensive. So uh, definitely in 1995, the technology wasn't ready for mainstream adoption. And then 20 years later, I, I mentioned that 2016 was claimed as a year of virtual and argumented reality. Then huge companies like Google created the Google Glass, an argumented reality device. Also, Facebook purchased a startup company called Oculus Rift. They provided virtual reality experiences. So they created much more mature devices with high-end technology. However, they get mixed reviews. So some of these technologies and some of these devices, they get very good critique from the press because they were futuristic and they promised a lot, but they were tech demos. So they were also just promised a better future. However, users who tried them and early adopters, as I said, they, they met with usability problems. They met with accessibility problems. Like, for example, trivial things, people who are using glasses, reading glasses, for example, uh, they couldn't use the Oculus Rift because by design, <laughs> uh, there was no room for, for a glass under the headset. And after, after uh, it was possible to adjust the glass still, uh, there, were, there were the user's glasses, for example, reading glasses and the device uh, lenses, and those two lenses, you know, distort the image, so people get sick, and it also caused a, caused a lot of issues. So after 2017, you know, the hype and expectations are get lower, 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 and now both technologies are remaining in a delusional um, state, like it's hard to predict what is the future. Now, obviously, they not change the world, uh, and also uh, the latest the tech analyst reports, they showing and reviewing that the technology need another five or 10 years to establish themselves in a mainstream, uh, mainstream market. So yeah, 60 years, 60 years of development and uh, some attempts in every decade to, to be mainstream and revolutionize media consumption, revolutionize how we interact with the digital, digital information and, and still, still the breakthrough is postponed with a few years. Yes, indeed, that's very interesting and uh, it's uh, still exciting and we will have to see what will happen in the near future with all of that. But um, if somebody got excited about it now and they wanted to buy some equipment or augmented reality or even virtual reality, is it expensive? <coughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit relative, but yeah, right. As, as it mentioned before, uh, these were p- pretty exotic hardware back in the day. And even in present time to, to enjoy virtual reality is costly or it can be costly. However, the market tried to find alternative solutions to reduce the price and also technology involved in the last 60 years. So in augmented reality is the most accessible right now, because if somebody have a smartphone, uh, a mid-range smartphone from 2017, it pretty much can run every mobile argumented reality application because those smartphones have enough processing power, also have at least one camera in the back and also have a screen, at least a HD screen over there. So, so mobile argumented reality is accessible and it's cost-free. So if you already have a smartphone from 2017, then you can use it. And obviously the newest phones, if you're going to the electric store and buy phones, they are all are compatible. So what we have to do, we just have to go to the Google Play Store or the App Store in iOS, download the apps and enjoy it. And we don't need to have a glass or anything. We can consume the content through the mobile screen. Now, 
to be more immersive because we said that you know uh, this technology extends the user environment with digital information we can use cardboard and we can use also virtual reality cardboard these uh, these make it like we can put the mobile uh, mobile device in our heads and if we take a look around then it extends the information in 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 real time with our uh, horizon now these cardboard price are varies between 100 to 1000 kroner um, the user experience difference between these are, are minimum. So the, the price difference between 100 and 1,000 kroner is the material and the quality of lens is uh, used over there. And then a third, the third part, the most expensive and, and the best quality of augmented reality called high-end R. And this is the group of the Microsoft HoloLens, Generation 1, Generation 2, Google Glass, or something called the Magic Leap. Uh, these prices can vary between 35 to 60, 70,000 kroners. So these are truly, truly costly devices. And also, they're not available for the general public. So if we're going to the electronic store, I'm going to Alship and I'm saying, I would like to have a HoloLens 2 for 50,000 kroner. They will not able to sell me. So again, this technology still remained in the playground of computer labs and universities or, or in industry, you know, and they... Uh, and they're experimenting with that. With virtual reality, it, it's, uh, it's much more fragmented, actually. Some for virtual reality in lower cost from 75 kroner and a smartphone, users can experience virtual reality and virtual reality games. And interestingly, the experience and a graphical presentation is quite close to high-end VR. So this is where for 75 kroner plus a smartphone, users can experience nearly the same thing as with high-end VR, which requires a powerful PC and a high-end VR headset for over 50,000 kroner. But as I said, this, this is a, a very fragmented area. So low, for low-end virtual reality, uh, it requires a cardboard. It's, it's a plastic or, or, a, or a paper cardboard with lenses, and users have to swap their smartphone in, and the smartphone do the job. So users have to download the application, start the application, and swap the swap phone into this box, and put the box in the user's head, to, to experience it. Now, uh, similarly to augmented reality, the quality of these boxes, paper-based, plastic-based, or more premium, it works. For 75 kroner, up until 1,000 kroner, users can buy this type of cardboard if they have a smartphone. Uh, also, companies reacted that, that users perhaps uh, don't want it to swap the smartphone in cardboard, or maybe it's difficult, they have to think. So they created something called standalone VR, which is much more user-friendly in many aspects, but also in cheating in many ways. So what standalone virtual reality does, it's they packing the user's smartphone in a cardboard in a factory and seal it. So when you buy a standalone VR headset, you don't need a smartphone, you don't need anything. You just put uh, the VR headset in your head, no cables needed, you just have to be charged. But the technology inside is a real smartphone screen with smartphone hardware packed the factory uh, into a portable form factor. So that's standalone VR. And standalone VR prices are varies between three uh, to four, five thousand kroner. Depends on the mobile technology is, is packed over there. Well, the disadvantage with this technology, as I said, this is a standalone product packed and, and uh, built on smartphone technology that we know that smartphone technology obsolete quite quickly. So it's not possible to open these boxes and then swap the smartphone. So in many cases, the cardboard and smartphone combination is more future-proof 
uh, and uh, economy friendly than the purchase of standalone VR. And then till in the end, we have a high-end VR, which requires a powerful PC even in 2020. Have to have at least a mid-range video card to provide high resolution, a very powerful graphical card, and a high-end virtual reality headset. Now, a powerful PC can cost 30,000 kroner, and uh, and the best HTC Vive Pro or or Samsung virtual reality headsets can cost between 10 to 20,000 kroner. It depends on which generation. So together, these things can also cost like 50,000 kroner. And it has a lot of drawbacks. Since we need a desktop PC, we also connect it through cables to that. We need a headset. And also the, the, the headset uh, need extra sensors to track head movement, hand movement, and joystick. So it's quite complex to connect all of these together uh, and run and definitely is not, not provides mobility. So right now, which is the most uh, accessible for the users and much uh, a must economy friendly is the low end virtual reality. Just need a smartphone and a cardboard. Yes, that's very important because it's clearly one of the obstacles to mm. virtual reality and augmented reality becoming more mainstream more people adopting it. The cost of the hardware is at times for some of it quite high. And of course, the availability, as you mentioned, is also an issue. And so it kind of kind of doesn't help it to become mainstream. There are others, of course, for example, some car manufacturers, they are using virtual reality in their design and engineering processes. But um, do you think there are other issues preventing virtual reality and augmented reality becoming mainstream. Yes, yes. And my research actually is focusing on this and try to propose for for a paradigm shift. So as I said, these technologies appeared 60 years ago, nearly 60 years ago, uh, and in almost every day, frequently, there are surveys and analysts try to predict the future and name issues and obstacles we have to overcome to spread the technology and, and establish it in the mainstream. And there are three recurring problems in the 60 years, and they all remain the same. And these three is user experience, UX, cost of hardware, and a lack of content offerings. So all of these three things are, are recurring. Now, interestingly, the cost of hardware, as you know, we discussed like how much money you need to, to jump in or, or try this technology or use the technology, is less and less how the technology involves. And also the market's reacted. Argumented reality uh, and namely Pokemon Go, which was a big hit, they were very brave. They did a paradigm shift. They saw that three, two uh, display technologies are not ready and have a lot of usability issues. So what they did, they ported argumented reality features into the mobile phone so users can experience a whole experience argumented reality through the phone without exotic hardware. So that was uh, cost-free. Now, the two another obstacles, uh, user experience and lack of content offerings, there's a very little focus on. And that's, that's very interesting because how I would think, you know, from universal design that that's one of the most important things. So if we have a product for end users and we wanted to establish them and we wanted to deliver something for broad audiences, then, of course, we have to focus about user experience and also content offerings. So we have to provide something that, user needs and match their needs and exceptions. Now, many things user experience is, is, uh, is something easy and it's just how we experience stuff. And if we do it with a smile in our face, that's good. And that's the problem with both technologies. Because uh, when 
I obviously in the last three years I read multiple papers about the topic and uh, user experience uh, giving false results mostly on papers because when you you user testing these technologies again these are immersive technologies so you're as you said you're sitting in your favorite football match and you can take a look in a left and a right or or you can have superhuman powers by augmented reality you have additional information in your environment. So obviously it's a new technology. It looks like it's from a future. So people, people like it and people have a positive attitude over there. So after you have to fill a survey about, are you satisfied with this? Or do you, do you like this? Or, or was it immersive? Would you use this over your regular smartphone application or desktop PC? Then the vast majority of the papers be asked and they're giving five or five stars. However, this technology is not problem free. So also people can get dizzy, people can get nauseous, especially wearing headsets. Also in augmented reality, the tracking of objects and context awareness, it's based on um, computer vision. So that could be glitchy. So images can pop out and disappear. Um, there is a, no established navigation or control system. Uh, intuitive, these applications are mostly not intuitive, so you need training, you have to get used to it. And once you do, you master one application, another application can have a totally different thing, requiring air gestures or requiring a purchase of additional hardware. So as I said, this technology is really um, fragmented and have uh, totally different approaches. And somehow the human-centered design or a human-centered approach is overlooked and underused or not used at all. So, so that's, that's the main issue because user experience is, is not just a, a smile uh, on a face. User experience refers to the user's attitude, feeling satisfaction towards the de device. It's also including usability, accessibility. Users with impairments, for example, visual impairments, hearing impairments, cognitive impairments, the, the technology has to, you know, adapt for those type of needs. And also the application has to be useful and desirable. And usefulness and desirable also reflect to the, the third the issue, lack of content offering. So as I said, these technologies, because of the technology-centered approach, very often are delivering a tech demo and a promise of the future. However, after you know jaw dropping visualization uh, in a long term users are are you know uh, we want something useful and desirable and that's what th this was a tech demo so yeah my my argument is the the research and research directly should truly focus on users users ability users needs and users desire and then two of the three main obstacles from mainstream adoption could be eliminated namely user experience and lack of content offerings and cost of hardware, it looked like it's going to solve itself, how technology matures and involves through the years. Absolutely, yes. I mean, when we think about it, there are quite a lot of things which are preventing AR and VR or augmented reality and virtual reality from becoming mainstream. And these are important things. And I think you've outlined quite a number of uh, serious issues that are in existence. Despite this being 2020 now, there are some very serious uh, issues that need to be dealt with. So we will need to see, we will need to wait and see what happens. Uh, some people, as you said, are predicting perhaps uh, a few years in the future, maybe five, ten years, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see whether the issues that you've mentioned rightly will actually be resolved and therefore make augmented reality and virtual reality more mainstream, whether people can actually 
use this in their own homes, perhaps use it in workplaces, and so on. So Attila, I'd like to thank you very much for taking part in this podcast today. Well, thanks for having me. My pleasure.